This is OTB AM. We also have Graham Hunter with us straight off the top because that's how big a morning it is. Graham, how are you? Listen, Joe, let's cut with the formalities. Yes, he's going to Villa. Right. <laughs> I mean, why not? Why not? Come on, he's a romantic. OTB AM, Ireland's only sports breakfast show, weekdays from 7.30 AM, only on OTB Sports Radio. Live 24-7 on the OTB Sports app. The OTB Podcast Network. I'm a very confident front runner. I've had caddy for 33 years, 145 wins now, and that's the best win I've ever had. I have no idea what you have. I don't know. Um, how are we going to count all the shots? Do you, I, I can't keep track. I don't think he's pleased. Of course, would. That's, a, that's a particularly stupid question. If they are, show up. Of course, you want to play at the weekend. So four wins in 34 starts for Colin Morikawa at WGC to go with his first major win. He is into the world's top five. This is getting very impressive. You are welcome along to Golf Weekly. Peter Laurie, hello. Hey, Joe. Nathan Murphy, hello to you. Hey, Joe. Last but not least, Fionn Davenport, hello. Hey, Joe. We are very much on the move from next week, 11th of March. Players it's the last one. It is the last one. It is the last Imagine, one. Joe, we spent three years saving our best stuff for next week. <laughs> stuff that's going on next week I can't believe it how did you get it wow well, Fionn's hot takes my god he's had so many of them that he's just been saving for next week <laughs> patreon.com forward slash golf weekly that's where we're moving to uh, 3.99 plus VAT per month guaranteed podcasts every Thursday extra podcasts around the major weeks a Monday review same with the Ryder Cup some big name interviews and of course our boy Troy will be a regular and uh, maybe some watch along parties as well around uh, major Sunday. So um, we hope you come with us if you're choosing not to. Nay problemo. Thanks for all the listens, but uh, do come along. Lots of good stuff in the world of golf and hopefully in Golf Weekly over the uh, next while. So from next week, it's all happening. You're leaving out, Joe, one other benefit of uh, getting onto otbsports.com forward slash golf weekly and signing up. You get access to our exclusive Discord channel. I know you're asking, Joe, what is Discord? And I was thinking back to last week and the War Room podcast. And this is where we put all of our listeners who listen to the War Room podcast so they can go and have a conversation amongst themselves. So Discord, Joe, is a private chat room. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. And they have just taken it upon themselves, the Golf Weekly listeners, to start chatting about golf. So I went in. I, was, I went in last Sunday night going, I must check how this works so I get on top of it for the pod. And lo and behold, there are dozens of Golf Weekly listeners in there chatting about what is happening at the concession last week. Wow. Happy out. So fair play to Duncan, who started it all off. And suddenly there were dozens of people all that while we were WhatsApp and they're there on our private Discord channel. So we had Sligo Boy who said, can we hear Fionn's most out of form golfer so we can back him? Marikawa <laughs> must have been listening last week. Interesting. So can we jump in there and put in a few messages ourselves? And, and oh, we can. That, 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 yeah, absolutely. We can jump in there. And anybody who's listening, just download the Discord app. It's actually... Uh, very easy, like any of these new apps uh, for a community. So you just go in, you log in. Uh, it's all there as well when you sign up, explaining it uh, to Golf Weekly. So there's loads of people. Phil McFay was very involved. Be good to hear the last thoughts on Concession Golf Club. Would they like to see it host a big event in the future? Also, wider point, are courses with no rough and tricky greens more enjoyable to watch? Example, Augusta, rather than US Open with lots of rough. That's a good question. I think yes is the answer. 
So, so all Discord of this is going on. And then how do I find Golf Weekly in Discord? So it's very easy. Once you actually sign up to Golf Weekly, it will explain it all in that. Okay. It'll give you the okay. access codes and all of that. And I set up a Troy Merritt uh, section yesterday. So if people want to put their questions in over the next few weeks for before the next time Troy is on, okay. stick them in there. We'll set up a different one for different tournaments as we're going forward. And yeah, if you're sitting around like we all are on a Saturday, Sunday night watching the golf and you just want to have a chat, get onto it. There's people there doing the exact same thing as you. Oh, Nathan, okay. um, do the lawyers monitor this chat course <laughs> or can I say pretty much whatever I like? Well, I, I was looking at, well, I just, just don't put your real name, Peter. You okay. know, then we, then you'll be that guy that we need to ban from it. And okay. yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm sure they'd love a bit of Peter Laurie action of a Sunday evening right. telling the truth, but that's not to say they won't screen grab it and then share it with everybody. And, yeah, that's, you know, you'll have questions right. answered. I, just I, go on. I come up with a fake name. So yeah. Warlord six, nine, four, three, six, two. Yeah. Hashtag rookie of the year. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those were the days. And were you rookie of the year? 08? 03? 03. 03. And you won a tournament in 08? Yes. You were quite old in winning rookie of the year, were you? I was old turning, well, I was old getting onto the tour. I, I, I went to college. I did five years of college after I left school. So, and then I spent two years in Asia, um, three years on the Challenge Tour, and then finally made it. Wow. An overnight success. Absolutely. So let's Enda talk... says that Discord has been described as the Gen Z version of Slack. Oh, my God. I don't even know what those things mean. <laughs> well, Slack's a hoot. <laughs> what is Slack? <laughs> it's like a, a chat forum for office places, for offices, for mm. work. It's, uh, like, it's how you, you know, all weigh in and stuff. Communicate. Let's move on. Uh, WGC for Colin Markawa at the concession. Golf Club Markawa, 18 under. Hovland. Hovland, everyone. He's on the move. He's finished second, sixth, fifth, second in his last four outings on tour. Hovland was three shots back in second. Brooks Kepka was second in putting. And ninth, Tita Green, looking very good in third. Uh, Rory, somehow after, you know, uh, so, you know, scaring us all last week. Or maybe just me. Yeah, finished sixth. He was uh, sixth. Shots back. So we really do have to talk uh, Morikawa now. This is turning into a hell of a CV. Four wins in his 34 starts. He did an interesting thing over the last couple of weeks. He was 257th in putting on tour two weeks ago. And then last week he went to the claw grip and he jumped up to 213 in putting. And then week just gone at the concession, he was top 10 in putting. He was 10th in putting. And frankly, his ball striking, as we've seen, is now so reliable, so supreme under pressure, so good on the tough golf courses that it turns out him being 10th in putting is about enough for him to beat a really good field by three shots, Fionn. So this guy's serious now, top five in the world. (laughs) And I mean, it is funny, obviously, that other than I think Justin Thomas's form relative to his position in the world was only worse, worsened by Colin Marikawa up until last week. And it's true. And, and I know I said that uh, Marikawa was just nowhere at the moment, but you're, it's amazing. Go to the claw grip and he transformed his putting stats. Interestingly, and you mentioned those irons, he, he's got to be the best striker. Like you're watching that thing where he just has that lovely five yard fade and it's just so consistent. Um, it was amazing. It was like absolutely gorgeous. Now it was helped in part, like he played very, very well, a couple of miscues, 
but it's the others. Just Victor Hovland maybe pushing a little too hard. Brooks never really getting going on Sunday. Rory never getting going. Um, Scotty Scheffler, you know. Uh, um, I think my favorite moment, I have to say, because because of a lack of movement on the back nine on Sunday, it was kind of like, okay, we're just watching this until Colin Marikawa wins, was on the Saturday and watching player after player going for the 13th and two. I was just like, lads, what are you doing? It, the, the real win, winner besides Marikawa of, I thought of last week was the actual golf course itself, which is terrific, um, this, the concession. And that 13th is case in point, where a proper par five with that bowl green and guys just not realizing that it was not a green that was going to receive a ball. Um, I'd be curious as to what Peter thinks, because like time after time you watch guys go for it in two and they had the length, but as soon as it hit the green, it just rolled off down the other side and made for what seemed an impossible chip back up to the right side of the flag. So you're watching players like at first you're thinking, did he just blade that? But no, it's just that they, the chipping action required to get from the bottom of that valley to the kind of right of the flag was just made it almost impossible to, to, to be in the right position to give yourself a decent putt. So I thought that was, yeah, that was my highlight. I have to say watching all these players get it wrong. I was glad I ignored Fionn's advice last week on Colin <laughs> Marikawa and backed him at 35 to one. Uh, and the reason I did that was, everything I had read about pre-tournament was that this was going to be an incredibly difficult golf course that nobody has any great experience on. So the two I went after were Matt Fitzpatrick, who mm. all he ever says in every interview is the tougher, the better for me. Amari Kawa, who despite his struggles with the putter, you know, it's just going to hit so many greens. And that's exactly what he did, particularly on Saturday where he took advantage, got a bit of momentum and went to this brilliant run of five, six birdies in a row. And then just hung on in there in the back nine where he really wasn't playing well. So he gave himself that lead heading in to the Sunday. And on Sunday, he never looked like he was under any yeah. great pressure. Once he got through those first few holes, I just thought it was, it was as impressive in some ways as what he did in winning the major last year to hold off that quality of field. And he's not going to be the guy who's going to win in the Bombers Paradises, but for any tough test now, for any course that's a little bit different, that requires a little bit of shot-making talent, Marikawa's got to be your go-to guy. Nathan, I, I think you should do a tipster because you're pretty good these days. No, like you, got you know, I, I did. I, I, I'm, I'm definitely on a good run. I, I, I once upon a time did some tips. And the problem with tipping, I find, is you put an extra level of pressure on yourself and you end up overthinking it and... Whereas actually, I just thought about it last week and everything I read was difficult golf course. Who's probably going to be solid? Marikawa, look at a good price. Simple as that. And maybe that is the key to this. Now, if I go on a run and uh, I don't know, Jason Day wins this week and I have five in a row, well, I'll have no choice, obviously, Peter. But it was a great <laughs> tournament. And the one thing I was wondering on 13, this is obviously illegal, I'm presuming. But I often wonder this. And there was no crowds there, so it couldn't have happened. But if you're the caddy and... Obviously, there's agents around the place. And everybody is seen. You're in the final group, so everybody has struggled to hold the green on 13. Somebody just says a word in the caddy's ear and go, by the way, that 13th green is impossible to hold. Just make sure he lays up there. That's illegal, right? Yeah, outside information is illegal. Uh, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more. 
But the thing about it is, is each pro is quite individualistic and they would think, well, you know, if they can't do it, well, I probably can. So they'll be pig-headed enough to give it a try. But what I think is wonderful about Colin Murakawa is knowing that he had putting problems or putting issues for quite some time now, um, he he went to the club, but he actually, he he went and sought uh, out Marco Mira. Uh, who gave him lessons in how to use the claw. Um, and he also has approached Paul Asinger in relation to chipping. So it's wonderful to see a guy who's so young and got such a great future ahead of him um, and has been so successful, actually realizing, right, here's my little flaws. Who do I go and have a chat to? And, you know, how do I improve? While a lot of guys would be, you know, they say the stupidity of youth or whatever they want to call it is they say, well, you know, my way is the best way. That's it. I'll just do it my own way. But he's willing to go and find out. And, and you look, it, it, it's been great for him to come from a, as Fionn says, a, and, and yourself, Nathan, a wonderful ball striker now to being able to put. And his next step is being able to chip um, because he's not the best chipper in the world, a bit like Victor Hovland. Um, who could do it also some a few lessons in chipping. But, uh, um, you know, this guy is the real deal. I hadn't realized he'd gone to Mark O'Meara. I heard Hank Haney talking about O'Meara recently. And so O'Meara was always a really good putter in Haney's eyes. Haney was his coach, obviously, you know, and, and ultimately it was O'Meara which got Tiger to Haney. But he was saying Haney, or O'Meara was often saying to Haney, I'm a bit yippy. I feel yippy in my right hand. And Haney was saying, no, you're a great putter. Like, you're not. But eventually, over time, Haney came to realize, oh, yeah, I can see it now. You are a bit yippy. And Haney said, in his own words, he went off and did a load of uh, research on what the best thing to do there is and came to the conclusion it was the claw. And he suggested it to O'Meara, who said, I will look ridiculous. I'm not doing that. You know, there's just no chance. And Haney said, who cares how you look? Just, just try it. And interestingly, it was in the father and son tournament. You know, we saw Tiger and... Charlie Woods of that recently. It was in the uh, father and son tournament where O'Meara was convinced and said, okay, look, I'll give it a try in this. There's not that much pressure. No one's really watching. And he walked off the course and said to Haney, that's it. And he still puts like that to this day. So whatever yip he felt in his right hand, claw grip was the solution. Well, I, I only watched Marikawa hit one nervy putt. Uh, everything else, the putter went, you know, it, it, it moved so fluidly at the hole. Um, and even um, his playing partner uh, on, on Sunday remarked, um, sorry, I forgot his name. Who did he play with on Sunday? He played with anybody? Can't remember. Remarked no. how good his putting was. Mm. Well, I think it's quite good that Morikawa, as you said, Peter, has the maturity to acknowledge there is a problem. And it's interesting, Hovland does as well with his chipping, you know, just said, I'm pretty shit at chipping, if you hadn't noticed, like direct quote, because yeah. I she think that a lot of players, yeah, I think um, a lot of players would bristle and say, my putting's fine. You know, I think a previous generation were more inclined to, if a reporter dared bring up an aspect of their game that wasn't good, they'd get short shrift, you know, there'd be a degree of less, you know, you don't know what you're talking about, my putting's just fine. Whereas Marikawa has, has almost brought attention to it himself. That's huh? who he played with. Billy Horschel, yeah. Well done. yeah. So uh, I think it's, as you said, it's a real sign of maturity. He's very smart, Marikawa. The way he speaks, very impressive. Mm. 
the way he got that uh that watch on <laughs> straight well, away. They all do that. <laughs> oh, but uh, maybe he was just caught in the act, uh, which is what made it more all the more galling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very likable. If it, it, it felt last year he might be quite forgettable, but actually getting into contention all the time, mm-hmm. he does come across as as a pretty good guy, a pretty smart guy. It was interesting looking at some of the stats afterwards about himself and Tony Finau and how similar their performances have been over the last sort of year, 18 months, but the difference in how many times they've actually won the tournaments. And Finau has played 159 rounds. Marikau has played 152. Finau on average, 1.55 strokes better than the fields. Marikau at 1.47 strokes better than the fields. But Marikawa has four wins. And Tony Finau, it turns out, doesn't have any. Hmm. Yeah. So is there is is that is that good fortune of doing it at the right tournament at the right time? Or is that he has that cutting edge that I, maybe Finau is lacking? I think he has cutting edge. I think he's a killer. Like his ball the striking. Shot, is, the shot last year. Well, the, I was just gonna say, like, so his ball striking is always solid. So I think on the tougher courses and the majors, unless they're bomberous paradises, he is gonna be in contention because. I mean, it's it's not even a bloody five-yard fade. It's like a, a 0.0001-inch fade. I mean, it's dead straight. And I think back to uh, 14th at Muirfield last year. Uh, the, you know, he, he won that tournament. The 14th was a drivable par four. And if you remember, water comes out at the neck of the green. And the player with Morikawa on that Sunday tried to take it on and went into the water. So Morikawa had witnessed that. He put down his ball. He drove the green. He went on to win the tournament. It was like a killer move. And then obviously Harding Park last year when there were a lot of really good players in contention, he hits that shot on 16, which is just, you know, phenomenal. So I think this guy's a killer. I think he's, I think he has such faith in his ball striking that he's not afraid to go for any shot when the pressure is on. He's also in that elite group of players who have won, um, whatchamacallit, um, what's the step? yeah. Four more times, including a major by the age of 24. So in it, Rory, Jack Nicholas, Tiger, like uh, Spieth. Mm. Like it's a pretty elite group of players. And uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Joe. I think. Do we need to rethink those stats? Because they're coming up on a more and more regular basis, it feels. that, And it's always Tiger, Jack and two other players are in that list. But it just feels as though actually the better players and we don't know if they've peaked yet, but are achieving more at a far younger age. It feels as though in the last five years, we've had Jordan Speed, we've had Rory McIlroy, Jordan Speed, uh, Justin Thomas, mm. now Colin Marcara, all these guys setting and equaling the sort of records that hadn't been done in decades, or certainly hadn't been done aside from Tiger. Mm. Are they just I, better, younger? I think they all start that much quicker. Yeah. You know, they're, they're literally, they're turning pro at 18, 19 years of age. And away they go. Now, it is worth pointing out that Tiger Woods has won, by the age of 24, he won twice as many tournaments as the guy second in the list and twice as many majors. So huh. it's like he's an aberration. So Tiger's yeah. like kind of out there in a stat on his own. Oh, and then man. you have Jordan Spieth and Jack Nicholas kind of grouped together. Um, but but is, yeah. it, is it not worrying, though, that they burned themselves out very quickly? Yeah. Like, yeah, well, I don't know if it's worrying. I mean, isn't is a window of accomplishment is? Yeah, but golf, golf was always shown as you know a sport that you could compete into your forties. Um, and who are you talking you about, know, Peter? Who's burnt themselves out? 
Well, could we go Jordan Spieth? No. Could we go, mm. could we go um, Ricky Fowler? Didn't win much. Mm. You might be right. You might be right in that they come on, they burst onto the scene. They have that couple of years where they're fresh, where they're, their higher levels are probably at its highest level before they've made a lot of money. And then they were, but I still think most of these guys are going to compete probably into their 40s. They'll just win younger. Arnold Palmer won his six, won all his majors in a six-year stretch, and didn't win another major after 1964. That's that always blows my mind. Even though I know it, it's unbelievable. Six years is all Palmer won majors for. Maybe. Yeah. How many majors are we saying for Morikawa? Three or more? Who's I saying think three, three or more? Yeah, I, I just always you're... fancy these Americans to win majors. It compared to a brilliant young European talent. You just sense when these guys come along, they know how to get the job done and is going to go and in the next two, three years, win a couple more. What do you think, Peter? Well, if you break it down, he's US Open, you know, mainly tough golf courses, stands a great chance around that. You know, a PGA, does he stand a great chance around there, depending on the golf course? So I would say at least four. What would you? The, four? Oof, four what is about a the lot. Open Championship, Peter? Do you think he has with that quality of ball striking? Um, I, I don't know whether he has had the experience to play on that links style golf courses. So that might take a few years to, mm. you know, to gather. I can't see how he wouldn't be good. You know, it's not, it's not like he needs to be a bomber there and his irons are so good. Yeah, but they're excellent in, in, in good conditions. Rather uh, than... It was windy. The weekend. Yeah, but it's not the same wind that you play in, a, in an open championship. It's not even close. It's a warm wind. That good a ball striker, though, would you not think he'll adapt very quickly? It took the best, you know, a, a few years to do it. So okay. who knows? Okay. Peter, did you ever play in Florida? Uh, years ago, yes. I, when I was in this time last year, I was in Florida for the month and um, I ended up speaking to a club pro and on television, you look at the Florida swing and you think, okay, the weather generally is pretty gorgeous. Courses look green and lush. You feel like you're playing in the tropics and, and the association is, is that gentle conditions. But he pointed out, he goes, there's a wind in Florida that never, ever lets up. And so conditions are paradoxically very, very tough in that kind of drying out wind that they play at this time of year in Florida. I just thought it was interesting and it was something I'd never considered before. Well, I've always heard players from Texas and Florida, one of the reasons those states produce so many as well as the long golfing season is the wind. Mm. But like uh, Tom Watson came to the, you know, to the major or to the open championship and it took him, you know, he hated it at the start. And then he, he actually liked it then after. Sure. So you're telling me Morikawa was going to adapt and then win five. (laughs) <laughs> who knows <laughs> he's good enough yeah definitely good enough to adapt I think I think, I think I think oh, I, 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 I strongly fancy him to do well in an open was the weird thing with Tom Watson though that while he hated the open and didn't feel comfortable there he still won straight away that he actually was able to win without enjoying Link's golf like, didn't he win on his first ever open so mm-hmm. while he wasn't I think he did. I'm fairly sure when he was on last year well, with he us did. while he spoke while he spoke about it taking we didn't four get or much five years, though, did we? No. 
Well, I suppose, well, there was that hour after Joe's uh, Wi-Fi died where we got that insight. And God, I couldn't <laughs> believe he said those things about Mickelson. Wow. <laughs> but uh, listen, we can't uh, repeat them. Yeah, that, that was the weird thing wow. about it, that he said it took him so long to actually feel as though he was comfortable at Lynx Golf, mm. but he had still won it. That's right. Yeah. Um, Interesting. I'm tempted oh, yeah. to just look at Morikawa and see where he finished in the Open last year. I'll check that. Let's move on to uh, Roy McIlroy, who finished uh, sixth. I mean, he was talking a slightly scary game about his um, ball striking in advance of this tournament after missing the cut at Riviera. He did a 10-hour session last Thursday, 10 hours, and seemed to pay some kind of dividends. He had a new putter. He left the old Spider X mallet behind. He's gone to the tailor-made TP Juno. Um, his putting overall for the week was okay. He was 23rd for the week, but on the Thursday it was um, not good. He was missing a host of putts from inside seven feet in the on the fourth and the fifth he missed from inside five feet he missed a six footer for birdie on the eighth uh, he said three putts on the last nine i felt sure we're going right to left they went the other way and then he um he he missed another one because that was in his mind and so it just got a bit messy on thursday but overall 23rd for the week in uh, putting he said he still has a two-way miss at the moment mm. left and uh, right in there not ideal when you've got trouble on both sides to say the least uh, at least if you've a one-way miss you can uh, sort of play away from it he's favored into bay hill this week um one there in 2018 of course so people still far from well, writing him off there's, there's just always that 2018 or 2019 i read 18 i read 18 i thought he said isn't he the defending champion because they didn't host it no, it happened it last year. year no it happened last year tyrell hatton won last year it was the last oh, tournament sorry sorry it yeah, was the yeah, last yeah. tournament before it uh before it wrapped up well sorry yeah, did they it, not it cut it short no that was the no. players championship they cut short Fion, don't oh, ever make me doubt myself sorry Lars. i apologize <laughs> i apologize it was it was reassuring watching rory last week that you know joe malloy had painted this horrific sight <laughs> that rory could be standing on the tee and suddenly have the driving yips and wouldn't know what to do yeah, uh, yeah. and we would watch this humiliating spectacle unfold over the next two or three weeks or actually it's not perfect but it's fine and it doesn't look as though it's that far away and it is typical Rory. He is getting it all out there. He is telling everybody all his woes and his problems and his issues. Mm. And we can talk about it for weeks and months, but like, it's not far away at yeah. all. I think it was more or less what Peter said last week. As an aside, by the way, Colin Morikawa has never played the British Open. So, yeah. oh my God, he's going to do a Tom Watson. Oh there my God, go. he is. Oh my God, um, Peter. It's Harrington-esque, as I said to you last week about Rory. Um, his swing, as I said to you, doesn't need that much work done to it. Uh, I think it's more of a feeling that he needs and he just needs to find it. I would love to see him use a 37-inch putter um, to put a bit like Angel Cabrera did when he struggled with his putting. Um, something a little bit longer in, in his hands, I think would suit him down to the ground. Um, I like that he's gone back to the, um, the normal, you know, the, the, the head that you would see the majority of times used. Um, the blade head. Well, it's, it's like a blade, isn't it? Um, with the putter but, and, and move away from the mallet style. Um, but a little bit longer I, I, in the length of shaft, I think he'd put great. Why? What does that do? It just, he, down the bottom, when he goes to hit a, a, a couple of putts, he, he seems to get just a fraction handsy on it. Um, and when the putter is a little bit more up, um, you can actually more put from your elbows and your shoulders. 
um, and not be, you know, when you, when you reach for it a little bit, you have a tendency to get your right hand involved. So um, that's what I see. And, and I, I, I would love to get him to even try it. I think it would improve his putting stats tremendously. And how big a difference is that in length to what he probably has now? He is 35 now. So you're looking at two inches, but you, you'd be amazed at how, how long two inches feel when you have a putter in your hand. Well, I'm five foot eight and my ideal putter is 33 inches in my hand. Right. I mean, I'm not tall, but I, so I always look for even a 34 inch putter, which is your standard buy it in the shop length. Mm. I, I, I invariably have to grip it slightly down a bit just to, you know, because you want your arms to hang rather than, well, well I want my arms to yeah. hang rather than have to scooch them up Jack Nicholas style, you know? Um, but yeah, 33 inches would be the putter length that I ideally would go for. So 30, 37 feels like I've got a broom in my hand. <laughs> yeah. I think he just needs it. I think it would suit him. Um, but as I said to you, it's a personal opinion, but I'd love him to see you try it. Quite interesting, isn't it? You've these views on his putter and Peter Costas thinks the lie angle of his uh, irons is slightly off. I mean, you would think McElroy had just had the perfect equipment and there'd be no, it'd be total consensus in that. It's like anything, it's trial and error. Uh, and sometimes you just get into a rut and you don't try things. Mm. Is it, uh, you know, not to, to really throw the cat amongst the pigeons, but is it not a bit concerning that you have one of the very top players in the world consistently, well, over the last whatever years, and who still has, hasn't found like a consistent putting stroke, putter style, putting action, you know, that, you know, on the one hand, you can say, well, it's kind of a tribute to his, the other facets of his game that despite battling putting, he still manages to be there, thereabouts. But equally, it's concerning that you always imagine the top guys just have a putting stroke that, that has seen them to great success and they just know how to rely on it for the, the glory years of their career. Well, very few would have stuck to the same putting style. Right. Very few. They would always have tinkered in some shape or form. Okay. You know, look at Mickelson. How many different um, yeah. putting grips has he had over the past? Um, the one who probably stuck it the most was Tom Watson. Um, and he Tiger. really, he, re well, Ty, well, he was very successful and, and put it throughout his career exceptionally well. Um, but I, I'm just saying players who were exceptionally good at the game and, and, and have struggled to be very good putters for long periods of time. Hmm. How often would you have changed putter? Oh, quite a lot. Right. Quite a lot, but more of a field, more than anything else. Hmm. Like Monty used to change his putter. He was, what, well, he was European number one for, was it nine years in a row? And changed his putter, could change his putter after a round, you know, in the middle of a tournament and still win. So it's more of a feel that people have and something mm. to look down on. Uh, something Troy Merritt brought up the other day when we spoke to him last week, week before. Um, Peter, would it be normal, say, for, you know, fads? Remember the Odyssey two ball was very faddish for a while and different putter styles that players who, I mean, nobody puts perfectly. So everyone's always looking for that extra edge, you know, um, so that when 
a putting style arrives that everybody just kind of goes, yeah, I'll try that. And, and so they kind of end up experimenting with all different types of putter. I think remembering my own years on tour, you go onto the putting green and um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, there is a host of putting aids, putters um, around the putting green for you to try. And if you are in any way, you know, in the mindset of tinkering, um, you will always go and go, well, what does this do? And what does that do? Uh, and lo and behold, you might change your putter that week and say, you know, I put it great with it. Funny enough, if I look back at my own career, when I tried something and didn't like it, that was probably the most successful putter if I, you know, it, when I used it later on. Um it wasn't the first thing, you know, when, when people pick up any, oh, that's great. And then they put it on the golf course and under a bit of pressure, it breaks down. Um, so to answer your question, yeah, look, there, there's so much option out there. It's like test driving cars. Yeah. You know, if you, if you could walk into a car park and, and drive any car, you, you're going to pick and choose different cars and you might sure. settle on one eventually. One of the great issues, of course, in all the shops is that the uh, fake green all slopes towards the hole. So... <laughs> We hold all them. They feel great. Jeez, I'm really good here. That yes. Odyssey two ball. I mean, no offense to anyone. We all have different tastes. I found it one of the ugliest putters that mm. have ever graced the game. I, what was the point of the two ball part? It was to do with lining up. People lined up um, balls easier than they did lines. Okay. Um, and that was the idea. But look at poor Carrington. Yeah, absolutely. He, did he not win he did. all his majors with the two ball? You did. I have, yeah. I think it's, the spider putter is the ugliest one, the big kind of. I don't mind it, you know. It's, no. See, that just shows it's, it's I like all the weight of it. Yeah. I feel like I have a bit more control. I just like going into the shop and messing about with all the Scotty Camerons, and I feel like I would be 10 times the golfer. Yeah. 380 quid. If I just spent the 380 quid, it just feels so nice. Fionn yeah. has a Scotty. Fionn knows how to treat himself. Uh, well, I, so oddly enough, it's this is the madness. This is the reason why I was asking Peter the question, the madness of the putting stroke. So until a couple of years ago, I did not have a putting stroke that I felt was halfway reliable. So I was always kind of bit handsy, bit this, tried this and this other. And years ago, I bought a Scotty Cameron and I, and I became convinced in my head that the problem was the Scotty Cameron and not my putting stroke. So I ended Unlikely. up giving away the Scotty Cameron <laughs> to my mother-in-law <laughs> And I, I ended up going for uh, an Odyssey, you know, the half mallet, you know, the little mallet putter. Yeah. So I've been playing with that version of a putter for a good number of years. And I then subsequently got a putting lesson that really kind of gave me a putting stroke that I can lean on. And my putting is generally much better now. But uh, I really, when, when it comes, I... I can't say to my mother-in-law, can I get that back? Because I <laughs> just said it. Someone let her know. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't. Wow. Back. I, I, well, here's like... a question though. Uh, and this is too, I, I, I've asked you this question be, uh, or asked Joe and, and Fionn this question uh, probably last week. Um, like putting lessons, ha, who takes them? I've you gives them. You, you'll take a swing lesson, but to take a putting lesson? Peter is thinking at Spawell of actually having putting lessons as well, as opposed yeah. to just well done, swing Jeff. lessons. Well yeah. <laughs> Who gives putting I, lessons? I do. Me. 
I just don't. I, 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 it's funny you say. So before we came on air last week, Peter was like, "What would you pay for a putting lesson? You know, what, what do you pay for a golf lesson?" I was thinking, I pay somewhere between fifty and maybe eighty for a golf lesson, I suppose. And he's like, "What would you pay for a putting lesson? Even you know, it's half your strokes." And I was like, "Oh God, I mean, maybe thirty euro." He <laughs> sounds pay weird. Butch Harmon but... one fifty. Uh, oh, sorry, I, I said I'd pay Butch one fifty. Yeah, one fifty at maximum. You'd have to pay me to give me a lesson. Maximum. <laughs> But I, I think the point is, is with the putting lessons, you don't need an hour on the putting green. Like mm. an effective lesson. I mean, the putting Some stroke is go. actually very yeah. simple. Do you think, Peter, so I'm, you know, a typical golfer, do you think a putting lesson, and I've never really had one, not properly, right. would make a genuine big difference? I mean, I guess it would have to, wouldn't it? Yes. I just feel putting such a personal thing. You figure out your own yeah. quirks and you just do your own thing. You don't want to be... You don't want to be told what's conventionally correct. You need to find your own little routine. Right. Way. I, I tell you what will freak you out, okay? And it's not an actual lesson. If if you put the you line up a ball right mm. to the hole, and you put a laser then on your putter to see where you're aiming, mm. you will be amazed at where you're aiming. I'll bet. The, Never mind the, getting a lesson. Joe, so you and if, I. If that's your only lesson, yeah. There's your good lesson. Sure, none of us can name a driver, let alone but, a putter. But, you know. but a driver's going, in your case, you know, 300 yards. Correct. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> that but like you're, you're only hitting a 10 feet away. Because it in the water yourself. and somehow floated away. Yeah. You're <laughs> only hitting a 10 <laughs> feet away. So you should be able to aim that a little bit better. No, it's true. It's true. Um, can we, can we uh, pay a little tribute to Victor Hovland, please? Uh, Victor and his wonderful attitude. Can we talk about his attitude? I don't think his attitude is spoken about enough. Hey, Go on, explain, explain what did Victor do? Um, okay, so you can make an argument that Hovland is the most consistent golfer in the world right now. I mean, and I realize that in the last four events, he's been beaten each time by 11 golfers. But here you go. Strokes gained total. In the last 30 days, he's first. The last three months, he's second. In the last six months, he's first. The last 12 months, he's third. And in the last 24 months, so over the last two years, he's fifth in overall strokes gained. And earlier on, we, we know, like it's been well talked about, that he's not the best chipper, but he is improving. So, and I'll give you, for instance, um, in chipping and putting from March 2019 to March 2020, he was minus one strokes gained per event. So he was losing a stroke to the field. But in the same period from March 2020 to just now, he is at zero. So he's not losing a stroke to the field in his chipping and putting. Now, obviously, at that seems like nothing, but at that elite level, one stroke is incredible. So he is definitely improving. And when you look at his overall strokes gained performances over the last you know, while, certainly within the last two years, like there is no one who is that consistent. It's remarkable. So mm. even though he is, he, he's, he's, I know he's won and he has probably got to win a little more to get, just to be able to kind of say, right, that's it. I've got that extra piece of the puzzle. But there is no doubt, this is one yeah. of the most impressive players around. I think it'll be good fun on the Ryder Cup as well. Oh yeah. I think it's going to be cult hero status on the Ryder Cup. Yeah. What about that eight though on Friday night? Was, yeah. that, was, that a, was that just bad luck, Peter? Or was that a, down to his chipping? No, I think it was bad luck, really. Um, I, I suppose eventually he, he probably just said, Jeekers, you know, I really need to do something else other than 
you know, try and whack at it. Um, you know, try and put it <laughs> in a position. Jeekers. To get that, it up that's down. Norwegian. That's Norwegian for it's Jeekers. Shit. It's yeah. Jeekers. Yeah. Jeekers. Yeah. Do we need to discuss uh, Norwegian sport? They have yeah. hottest property in European golf and the best young footballer in the world, both coming through at the exact same time. Yeah, and the best be man. What, what, what are they doing right? I don't know. It's a good point. Yeah, uh, nice. By the way, I, we, Fionn, you mentioned the concession or one of the lads in Discord asked if uh, the concession should host a big tournament. I think that'll be a fun major venue. It sort of reminded me of just around the greens. There are a few Adair Manor holes. Remember we played it, was it two, oh. last year, two years ago? It feels like, oh, it feels well, like a long time ago. Though. It's yeah, 365 Is that the event I wasn't invited to? Correct. Yeah, that course, one. I, Adair Manor, I, I couldn't review Adair Manor right now, Joe, because it, right. it would be so different when we were there. I couldn't sit here and tell the listeners to go there unless I was went back and uh, updated our review. No, same. I, w- I would stop short of recommending a visit <laughs> until I played it again. But don't, don't, Adair is a lot of those upturned saucer mm. greens and you're chipping onto them. That's just fun. I think like Augusta, somebody asked US Open versus, you know, those kind of greens and slopes. I, I, I There was a touch of Riviera to the concession as well, whereby holding greens and allowing for the slopes was uh, very demanding. I can imagine four days of that, you would just be fried. So I really liked it. I don't know, Peter, did you think it was too tricked up or did you like it? No, I really liked it. My, my only, my only one downturn of it was, is it facing the wrong way? The final holes they're, they're facing into the setting sun. Um, Mm. If you look at 16, 17, uh, you literally, they had no idea where the ball was going. Um, you know, mm. on, on camera wise. So maybe they could switch to nines or something like that to, to eradicate. It. It's very unusual that such good designers would make that mistake. Right. I, you know, I wouldn't think of the orientation and setting sun that way. It makes perfect sense. Oh, yeah, obviously. Good point. I did notice that on Sunday and I was wondering, I was thinking back to other regular PGA Tour event closing holes. Do you ever have that scenario? But mm. at Bay Hill, will you have that scenario? Uh, nope. I'm right. Okay for that now. What did you What did you boys think of the uh, the red and black tribute to Eldrick Tiger Woods? Well, that's where I'm going next. It's hard to explain how touching today was when they turned on the TV and saw all the red shirts. at Woods to every golfer, every fan, you are truly helping me get through this tough time. What did you think? Uh, I thought that wasn't it primarily Nike athletes who wore Jason red and Day, Finau, Fleetwood, Sebastian Munez, McElroy. People said Patrick Reed as well. I'd say Reed didn't know anything about it. He's just Patrick Reed was red and black anyway. Is everyone copying me now? <laughs> wow. Yeah. I am an inspiration. <laughs> um, Justin Thomas, they said Justin Thomas is pink, but he wore a pink shirt. Yeah, he had, he had, he, and uh, Billy Horschel did as well. They had TW oh. on their hats. Oh, and uh, poor old Max Homa was getting hammered because he didn't do it. And having spoken so glowingly the week before when he won at Riviera about how Tiger mm. was an idol, and he just didn't have access to it. And that is the problem with these uh, tributes that suddenly you get hammered for not taking part in it. Yeah. I thought like it was... He didn't have access a, to it. It was a nice thing to do, wasn't it? Well, it was decided late on Saturday night, I think, that they were doing it. going to do this. So mm. you think like, it was they nice. probably have the... I here thought we, it was fine. Like I didn't here, we, here, here we go. Here we like, go. Come on. Like, I know what you're going to do. Uh, when Payne Stewart died, they had the tribute at the US Open, and Tiger didn't bother his, his arse going to it. So oh, why does he deserve say this? That. I was just going to say, well, what are they going to do if if the worst thing happened and he died in the car crash? I'd say the tournament might have been cancelled. Yeah, I'd say I would. It yeah, cancelled it. Yeah. But you know what I mean? I just it, look. Tiger Woods has done an exceptional amount of good for golf. 
Um, and don't get me wrong, Arnold Palmer did the same, did exceptional amount of good for golf. And now his tournament, and he has always struggled to get players to play in his tournament. This week, we look at it, the guys that are not playing, Dustin Johnson, John Ram, Justin Thomas. I'll forgive Colin Marikawa because he won last week. Uh, Patrick Cantley, Webb Simpson, Brooks, Tony Fenu, uh, Berger, Matthew Wolf, all deciding to skip the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Rory McIlroy skipped it a few years ago. Exactly. And, and so, Arnold was still alive and, and yeah. said he was disappointed. And was seriously pissed off. So yeah. and just ask, said, said the same to Ricky Fowler. What does that have to do with the Tiger Sunday? Yeah, tribute? I don't know. So my, my, what I'm saying to you is, well, if they're so, you know, tributing uh, Tiger Woods, well, then why don't they tribute Arnold Palmer the same thing? Tiger Woods is sat in his hotel, or sorry, his hotel, he wishes. He's sat in his hospital bed, probably feeling very, very low. And they want to send him a message of support. Not a difficult, onerous thing for them to do. I thought it was kind of cool. You know, initially I was a bit, you, you kind of think, oh, well, there's a degree of Nike marketing about the whole thing. But then actually when I saw it, I thought it was a brilliant touch. And I was thinking, God, it's a pity actually everybody wasn't able to do it because it would have looked amazing. Well, why weren't they? See, that's gesture. the thing. Like uh, Phil Mickelson, he was playing the Champions Tour and he ended up, well, according to him, he went up to the clubhouse and bought, I'm using yeah. air quotes, yeah. bought a red shirt. Um, no, no, Phil, keep your hand in your pocket. <laughs> it's okay. Take it. Just take it. Go. Any tips for the stock market? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was lovely, actually. Yeah, As I was yeah, watching yeah. it, I thought, God, this is actually a lovely, it's not a, they're not going massively out of their way. It's not OTT. It's not a somber mood, but it's just a little message to the guy in his bed saying, Hey, we're all thinking of you. I thought I'm not, Tony you know, Fina. Really nice. Tony Fina showing up with the backwards baseball cap. I thought was the was the nice tribute, yeah. like in the red and the backwards baseball. It cap. was harmless. It was inoffensive. That's what I say. I, I agree with you. I think it would have been kind of cool if every single player had turned mm. up yeah. in the red and black, and maybe they all get a photo together at the end or something, yeah. and it's this real moment. It felt probably a bit flat because not everybody was doing it yeah. and on the Arnold Palmer thing that's not the player's fault if the PGA Tour want to make a decision and I think it would be a great thing if they could elevate the Arnold Palmer Invitational and have a tournament properly named after Jack Nicholas and picking two or three players and they become like maybe they should name a world golf championship after Arnold Palmer maybe they should turn the Arnold Palmer Invitational into one of the world golf championships to make sure every one of the players turn up but it is just another tournament sandwiched into the middle of the season with Arnold Palmer's name on it. So if they want, if the PGA Tour want it to be on a level, don't have it the week after a World Golf Championship. See, I I think I'm coming from um, having played out on tour since 03 and have watched Tiger come over to play in tournaments like Dubai and uh, Abu Dhabi um, and witness a guy never entering the locker room never entering the players' lounge, um, wouldn't say boo to a goose even on the range, wouldn't even acknowledge your presence. And then, you know, they have this outpouring of, of, of um, what could you call it? It's not grief, but it's, you know, Sympathy. support. Empathy, maybe, um, for a guy who in his career has shunned an awful lot of people at the start and just because he is 
um, I suppose in the second light of his career, you know, being friendly to everybody when he was a complete and utter, you know what, to anybody and everybody before that. You know, you, you can't just look at a guy and go, oh, you know, we all feel sympathy for you because you've had a car crash. Yes, we do feel sympathy, but not not to the sense that, well, how did you treat us beforehand? They I, I, haven't I, seen I'm that tiger. People, I'm one of these people who 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 look at look at people over over a period of time and not just, you know, last week or the week before. And remember that, you know, like all of these top you know, I'm not saying every top player does it, but they are assholes when on their way up. And then when they're on their way down, then they start being friendly to people. But Peter, isn't the, I take your point entirely, but conversely, let's say for the sake of argument, if an unpopular player on the tour, a Patrick Reed, for instance, were to be in a very serious car accident. Yeah there wouldn't be an outpouring of sympathy in the way there was for Tiger. And the simple reason is nothing to do with the fact of whether he was nice to me in the locker room or not. It's the fact that every single person involved in golf acknowledges that Tiger Woods made them all very rich. Oh, I don't and think that, it's, I don't think it's a money. I, 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 I don't no, no, no. I mean, thing. it's in terms of like, but of course it is. No, I think Peter, see, I would disagree with you. I think we're all malleable. We can all change. We can all evolve. And I think there is a recognition of that on tour. And a lot of the younger guys weren't around when Tiger was in his pomp and, you know, aloof and all that stuff. So a lot of them have only known a pretty supportive and nice Tiger. So but, but look, I, you're, you're entitled to your opinion, but I think a lot of people would say, look, he's come through a lot and there's a major blow to a person. And they, in the main, over the last number of years have found him to be a pretty nice presence on tour. Colin Morikawa, there's photos of Tiger coming up to him after he wins at Harding Park. Justin Thomas and him, by all accounts, are great friends. Him and Rory are great friends. So the aloof character you describe, whether he's made money or not for the rest of the tour, look, I think our opinion of people can change. You know, don't we all deserve a bit of redemption here? Tiger's come through a lot. This is now such a blow for him. It's the end of his career. You know, I, like he snubbed me 15 years ago. Look, I, I, you're entitled to that nothing, opinion, but I think no, a lot of them just sorry, said, look, Joe. there's a human aspect. Yeah, this is nothing personal. No, I know. You know I, I'm, I mean? I'm characterizing I, I, I what not, you're saying. I'm, not, I'm, I'm characterizing yeah. you kind of saying there could be someone on tour saying, oh, well, Tiger was snubbing me 15 years ago. Yeah, look, I, I wasn't even in Tiger's radar. Um, and, you know, so be it. You know, that's more my loss than anybody else's. But I, I, I don't know, maybe you're right. You know, there is a chance for a... a uh, a second coming and you know people change as you say but it, it's not that i don't feel um sympathy um it's not that i don't feel you know terrible that you know he's in hospital but i i, I just feel that if i was at the tournament and i didn't wear red then i'm i'm going to be ostracized in some shape or form i, I must say i i don't agree with you joe either um like i don't i don't think it's just that binary thing. Like, I don't think anybody. So sorry, what, what did I say that you don't Just the with? idea that like, oh, you know, that there's a sense. It's, it's like he's, the people are malleable. And I mean, sure, you're absolutely right. They are. But like, it's some animals are more equal than others. And that's just a simple fact of it. It's like to quote Orwell. Like, it's like, like Tiger Woods has an outsized presence in golf. He's like a dominating figure. It's, it's like the sport owes him a debt. Everybody in the sport owes him this gigantic debt. His influence, just even, even if you've never met the guy, how many young golfers 
who are inspired to take up the game or who had posters of Tiger Woods winning the US Open by 15 shots on their walls as children. Like Tiger Woods is, Tiger Woods is the most dominating figure in modern golf. So it's, and when I say it's like, oh, he made them all very rich. Perhaps I'll rephrase a little. It's not just about money. It's about like this, like it, it's not necessarily, I don't necessarily buy the Tiger Woods as an entirely transformed figure that all of a sudden he's a soft cuddly bear type or that he's really friendly. I don't know that those things are true. They may well be. However, I also have a healthy skepticism of PR roles and people saying, yeah, you know, the new Tiger old, like, I don't know if any of that stuff is true. What I do know is, is that Tiger's shadow on the game casts this enormously long shadow. And when something happens to this dominating figure, the ripple effect on the sport is going to be gigantic. So what are we and, disagreeing on? What are we disagreeing on? Well, I'm just on saying is this idea that people felt like, oh, because now he's such a nice guy. I don't know if that's what- I, I, I think that is part of it. And it's a bit of all of that. So there are people on tour, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Jason Day, who believe that they are genuinely close to Tiger Woods, who feel that Tiger Woods is now a friend of theirs. So we're upset by this. It is somebody close to them that has suffered a serious incident and are all very aware of his place in golf that you've just outlined. And I think that is it. As much as there is a different Tiger in recent years and they maybe haven't seen the Tiger that Peter saw, this guy is golf. This guy is the biggest hero for every player coming through. I would imagine if they do one of those Golf Digest surveys and you ask every single player who's on tour between the age of 20 and 30 who was your hero growing up 99.9% of them will say Tiger Woods and they wanted to pay tribute to him and if it was a night golfer it was a night golfer as we've agreed it would have been a better spectacle if it was everybody but like this is it's, it's same as any sport if something happens Lionel Messi compared to something happening an average Premier League footballer there's going to be a yeah. a naturally different reaction mm. regardless of the way that they have behaved and do look at the current crop do look at tiger in a different way than the older crop and phil mickelson when he was talking sort of implied the money thing it was to send our best wishes and to thank him for all he's done for our sport mm. and the main thing he's done for his sport is make an awful lot of people an awful lot more money yeah that's i think okay look i mean i guess we're all projecting our own precisely we're, we're projecting our own feelings towards it i I personally don't see the money thing as being the primary motive. I thought it was the human thing. And they, I mean, we forget he's Sorry, a real I don't person. Think it was, I, don't, I don't think it was the money thing was the primary thing at all. I think it was okay. that this was their hero. Yeah. I think that this is, like all of us, we're shocked when this happened because even though we've analyzed Tiger to death and all the negative aspects of his life, like none of us, it hasn't affected really in any way hmm. how much we admire and appreciate what he has done on the golf course. Yeah, yeah. No, that's look, that's fair. And I, I take your point. If it's messy or if it's woods, it's a bigger deal than if it's, you know, and yeah. if you, and you said more, some animals are more equal than others. I think we can underestimate as well. He's a 3D person. He's a real person. That's um, it. And they see him, they talk to him. And over the last couple of years, US Ryder Cup teams, etc. He's been uh, well liked. And I think there's just a basic human part to it as well. Fair enough, the money and his stature and all that as well. But I, you know, I, I, I think if he was the aloof figure that Peter had talked about of 15, 20 years ago, I'm not sure the outpouring would have been quite the same or quite as warm. Uh, I don't, you know, so anyway, look, who can, I don't know how we settle that 
I'm not even sure what we're debating. You're wearing red <laughs> and black, either. Joe. So there you go. That's how we settle it. You would have worn red and black, yeah. No, Joe is wearing red and black. Oh, yeah. So he is. Yeah. Yeah, because Patrick Reed. When Tiger when Tiger emerges wearing red and black when he eventually uh, returns to the golf course and he's wearing red and black on a Sunday, is it in tribute to Patrick Reed? Is now, yeah. Did yeah. did you um have you been I presume you've all kept up with the ongoing investigation into the crash and the they're recovering I didn't even realize cars had them, but they're recovering the black box or the so called like I presume my old Renault Laguna doesn't have a black box. It might have some sort of a a recorder monitor, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we haven't asked how old it is yet. <laughs> well, I don't know, Joe, but the brand new Genesis S two thirty has a black box. Everything in modern technology. Yeah, and Joe, this, this, this could be sponsored by Renault Ireland. You could be getting a brand new Renault Megane shortly. <laughs> I'll take it. So, did you see? But so USA Today they obtained the search warrant. Because obviously to look inside the car, the, the officers needed a search warrant just to look it over and to extract this black box. But um, what's interesting that's come out is, is that um, Tiger had no memory of the events of the crash. And uh, so the affidavit says here, Woods initially was unconscious after the crash in Southern California. A resident found the golfer trapped in a loner car, blah, blah, blood in his face and chin. According to the affidavit, which was submitted by Los Angeles County Sheriff's Deputy Johan Schegel, the deputies asked him how the collision occurred at the scene of the crash, according to the affidavit. Driver said he did not know and did not even remember driving. Driver was treated for his injuries at the hospital and was asked there again how the collision occurred. He repeated that he did not know and did not remember driving. So obviously there is an investigation and... I mean, there's so there's a few questions. I'm sure people are keen to get the answers. And like the car crossed the median and then traveled for 400 feet, which is longer than a football pitch, down the wrong side of the road and then crashed. So, and the brakes never used. So that's, that's all kind of rumbling away in the background. And, um, but it is, you know, and, uh, yeah, I just think that that's the, the investigation. And it goes to the earlier point, you know, if it's some animals are more equal than others because, you know, this is one of the biggest stars in the world. So when you have that level of attention and spotlight, um, so every single little detail is going to be poured over. Yeah. Uh, we should move on. Final two quick bits. There's Bay Hill, obviously, this week. And then there's the European tour story, potentially. At Daily Telegraph with the exclusive here. European tour are looking at uh, three events post-masters in Florida, a one-time only type thing. And obviously their new partners at the PGA Tour could facilitate this. So this is because the Tenerife Open, the Gran Canaria Tournament and the Portugal Masters are, are all in doubt because of travel restrictions in Spain and Portugal. In effect, Portugal, for instance, are saying no to any UK or South African elite athletes or otherwise. So uh, it seems the way has been paved for European Tour events in Florida. Kind of interesting. Um, don't know is there anything controversial about this are we betraying you know the european tour because i mean they're in every other part of the world no i think I it would be sorry peter you go on no i i don't think so at all i, I think they're looking for somewhere to play golf um you know they're trying to give their their membership an opportunity to play it, it, it must be very frustrating at this moment in time to think 
you know, I'm, I, I'm a European tour member. I, I, you know, you, you take it from a guy who's gone to tour school, got his card, you know, this is his livelihood and he, and he has nowhere to, he has nowhere to play it. Um, so I think it's a good move. I think the, the American tour are probably, you know, facilitating this, but where else can they go? You know, they'd normally go to China or Asia or wherever this time of year. Um, obviously that's off the market at this moment in time. Mm. So Florida is a good, is a good move. They, you know, they fly in, they stay at whatever hotels they are, you know, pretty close to the golf course. Um, they play their golf and leave. So it's not a case of, I think it's, it's done under necessity rather than anything else. Mm. Just shows as well how sport and its revenue has changed that they can just transfer. I've seen this in snooker where the German Open was taking place in Milton Keynes, but it doesn't matter because it's a TV event. There's no crowds anywhere. So it just looks like the German Open, but in a different place. And I'd imagine that's what will happen here. It'll be broadcast as a European tour event at a slightly different time. Mm. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what the viewing figures are if it's at what we would say the prime TV viewing time for golf, which is the American uh, viewing yeah. time. It'll also be interesting if, it, if it's the start of something. So if it's in Florida, will they give access to some American players? Should they give access to some American players? Should that rung of American players that are, say, playing the Corn Ferry Tour or maybe aren't making Bay Hill? So, for example, Troy Merritt was on and has his PGA Tour card, but Bay Hill's an invitational, so he just misses out. Should that quality of player be allowed in to, I would say, probably bring up the quality of mm. those European Tour fields? Or is that undermining as the, as the what viewer is doing? As the viewer, I'll say best field possible at all times. I suspect Peter with his players hat on will say, well, that's not fair. No, I, I, I personally think I, they should probably go Monday qualifying um, and let in the guys who are Monday qualifying for the main tour or the US tour try and qualify for also for um, the European tour. And if, uh, remember- for, if, if, for instance, I don't know who, like there's a lot of them living in Florida. If... Um, Colin Morikawa or Patrick Reed or somebody who's, you know, Reed I know has played on the European tour, but if Dustin Johnson, whoever, uh, were to phone up Keith Pelley and say, how you doing? Listen, I don't fancy being over all the way in the, uh, in Texas this week. I'll play your event. Will you stick me down? I, I would say there's strict restrictions from the US tour to say who can play in the event. Mm. Because they they, they anyways, though, can't they? Pardon? Top 50 in the world rankings is like one of the highest possible categories for the European tour. Yeah, but you have to have a release from your okay. uh, governing body. Mm-hmm. Um, so the PGA Tour will not, in my eyes, be giving releases to their top players to play in somewhere else. Be interesting. They are partners now. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Um, is it... Is it not an issue then of like prize funds so that you might necessarily have a glut of top American players wanting to play in a European tour event simply because it's in Florida because the prize money would be still less than in your run of the mill? The prize PGA money tour. will be less than the Corn Ferry tour. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. So that it'll might, be because it. the European tour will be only putting in what a million euros into these events. That's their yeah. kind of bottom line at the moment. Okay. Jeez, I, Oh my God, Which the is, whole theme you, is money at the moment. I got to stop this. You're obsessed with the money. American tour. They're playing for what? You know, the winner gets one point. What did he get last week? One point eight. eight. One point mm. eight. Yeah, and so that that's was your a purse WGC event, though, or half your purse for your um, European tours. Just goes yeah. to show you how bad it is. Arnold, <laughs> Arnold Palmer this week. Then Roy McIlroy is the favorite. Interestingly, Victor Hovland second favorite. Bryson is there. 
Terrell Hatton's there, Patrick Reed, Matt Fitzpatrick. Still a very decent field. Paul Casey is there. Matsuyama. Jordan Spieth is playing, as is Louis Westhazen. We had Colin Byrne on the show a couple of weeks ago. Well worth listening back to that. Lots Bison. of people on Discord and elsewhere, Joe, wanted oh. to question Peter about Louis Westhazen's performance last week, where I gather he led the putting stats. He did. <laughs> he did. Yeah. I thought of that when I saw that number. <laughs> Discord and Discord, Peter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about um, Jordan is playing with Bryson this week? Yeah. Um, and I was saying earlier, I wonder, will Bryson try and go for the sixth green like Daly did in, in 98. Um, 2008, was it? When he made 18? Yeah. 98. 98. That's 98, all we're all He made an 18, yeah. yeah. 18. He tin-cupped it. Uh, but Bryson's much longer than Daly ever was. So He tried. He tried. Yeah, he tried. He was with his pro-am group yesterday. Yeah. Uh, it's and? 555 yards, but if you go from the back tee to the green, it's 350-yard carry over all that water. So he tried it a few times. The wind was into him, uh, but his pro-on partner was like, oh, just go on, try anyway. And he didn't make it. He didn't make it. It's, uh, it's yeah. one of the um, very few courses that I've played in on European tour. Uh, right. Sorry, uh, uh, US tour. What are you bringing us? What's the inside It's scoop? a fabulous golf course. What are we looking out for? It really for? is. Huh? What are we looking out for as we're watching on TV? What wouldn't ball striking, we ball striking, and ball striking. Okay. Can can I just Matthew Patrick in, then maybe in preparation for, or perhaps because it reminded me that it was on Bay Hill. So I picked up Tom Callahan's Life of Arnold Palmer mm-hmm. recently. Now published twenty seventeen, so it's like whatever it is, four years old. I can't recommend it highly enough. Okay. One Tom Callahan who wrote My Father and Me, the Earl Woods book is a sensational golf writer. I mean, he's in his, he must be 74 now. So this is a guy who's been around the game for a very long time. It's an amazing book, less more, a, less a biography of Arnold Palmer and more a collection of incredible anecdotes that sketch out the life of Arnold. Um, and the big takeaways are this, he adored Arnold Palmer and yet does not shrink from talking about the warts and all man like there's it's 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 a portrait an adult mature portrait of a person um in terms of like his womanizing um just his own disappointments uh it but also it's just there's like the, so many anecdotes and i can cover them another time but there's one great one is this like arnold's talking about the showbiz element that he brought to golf as a young golfer And, you know, most of us got to know Arnie when he was well past or he was in his dotage, wasn't he? So he was well past his prime. But this is a guy who made golf really dramatic and and, you know, this bronzed face. He was very handsome. He had the body of a real athlete, you know, these like, you know, big forearms and almost sexy in 1959 when golfers were not considered sexy at all. Unlike Arnie that. was that guy. He, he brought a bit of sex appeal to, to television, etc. But he's talking about this. It's a great story of that when he was a young guy in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, and he was a very serious golfer, like, you know, head down, just wanted to try and just get the most out of his game. And Babe Didrikson Zaharias, you know, the legendary female player came to do a a, a tournament or a a demonstration tournament or whatever to Latrobe. So all the young golf, they all showed up and he noticed that she was brilliant at engaging with the crowd. So she would say things like, pardon me while I loosen my girdle and everybody would laugh. And then she would, you know, do a thing and then hit like an amazing shot. And so I don't know if you 
ever seen footage. Arnold was brilliant at doing things like uh, like he'd hitch up his pants, you know, before hitting a particularly hard, big drive. So he had that element of showmanship and he puts it down to being a young golfer and being hugely influenced by Babe Didrikson Zaharias and her ability to, to talk to the crowd. And obviously it stayed with him his entire career, so much so that when he met a 20-year-old Phil Mickelson, who was playing the Masters as an amateur, and Phil just was walking by the crowds and Arnold says, never, ever ignore the crowds. They're always there. Hmm. And, and that had a big impact, obviously, on Mickelson as being someone who had like a sense of, of uh, being able to talk to the crowds. It's a terrific book, lads. And I can't, honestly, it's, it's well-written. It's lovely as a portrait of a man, of a very human being. Um, it's so compelling. Uh, there's a great bit on, on the bitterness that Arnie felt at the way he was treated by Ben Hogan, who just refused to acknowledge him, wouldn't even call him by name. So much because Ben Hogan felt, you know, I'm not being usurped by this young upstart and I don't want to be replaced. But the lack of generosity in Ben Hogan that he just couldn't even call him by a name. He go that guy or whatever. Wow. Um, he, he the frosty relationship between him and Nicholas that over the years developed into warmth. Um, the fact that Arnie was really envious of Jack's talent, but equally Jack was very jealous of Arnie's personality and his ability to engage with the crowds. And then the gentleness that he has in relation to Tiger Woods's woes, that he has a great understanding of Tiger Woods. And Tom Callahan makes a brilliant observation is that ultimately, despite it being different times, Arnold Palmer got away with a lot of things, you know, the, 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 as he said, well, he loved his wife, but he also, Winnie, he also loved other women, is that because Arnold liked people and people liked him, and to go back earlier to what we were talking about, is that perhaps the fall of Tiger was connected, yes, to the social media world that we live in, but also to the fact that Tiger didn't really have a warm relationship with the world around him. And so perhaps it was less forgiving in the moment. Um, than it was I, I just think it really is great food for thought a really good golf book and 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 definitely worth picking up and just having a read of mm. yeah sounds very interesting mm. fellas we are pretty much done i think thank you okay we will talk next week on patreon solely on patreon next week oh, yeah. so hopefully we'll uh, have you with us players championship next week we will talk to you then good luck that was an OTB Podcast Network presentation. 